It is the first ever take of a gentleman's chat, episode 52.2, with your hosts, Billy and Ian. Yeah, we certainly didn't F this up last week at all. I don't recall ever even meeting last week. No, no, I, I can't either. But I do know that if we did, hypothetically speaking, the chat would have been very good. Oh, yes. The con- Absolutely astounding. Conversations, particularly because it was just before Christmas. Hmm. And we did our annual Christmas special. Hypothetically, of course, we didn't actually do this. <laughs> we would have done our annual Christmas special where we talked about gifts to get people, whether you like them from a scale of 1 to 10. Now, I would like to say that I have a few new things to add to our conversation from last week, of which everybody obviously heard. And it's this. If I, if you're a one or a two, it's back up <laughs> Christmas parabola. You always spend more on people you hate and love the most. The people in the middle usually get nothing. So here's what I'm thinking. If you're a one or a two, I'm buying you a welder. Yeah. Because especially for someone that doesn't need a, welder, if you need a welder, obviously I'm not getting you that. But if you if you don't need a welder, I feel like that's a great tool. Something that a guy could keep in his garage and never use, but takes up an inordinate amount of space. That's true. And then the one time he might need it, right? He's out with his lads down at the bar, and they, you know, I need to weld this thing there. He says, "Oh, I've got one." I guarantee that dummy doesn't have three phase power in his house. True. So it will be completely useless to him when his friend shows up with two pieces of metal that need to be welded together, and they can't plug the welder in. Or worse, you didn't actually get him a proper mask, and they managed to start the welder and just go blind. Better yet, better yet. So that's my offering for the <laughs> one-two folks. Is they actually blinding people? Bro- <laughs> Are you culpable if someone's dumb enough to try that? No, no, it's a gift. I can't be blamed for gifts. I suppose you can get blamed for coffee though if you're a restaurant. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not, though. I'm just a, a friendly guy. Oh, because he didn't pay for it. Right. It's on him. Yeah, I yeah. I, it, I was just being a nice fellow. Does that mean I, if I ever become an entrepreneur of exorbitant wealth, and I come up with little shops that we give free gifts away, intentionally made to hurt people, <laughs> just like we get top-of-the-line lawn boy lawnmowers or whatnot and we just tweak it just to make sure that the blades will break and just shoot out randomly at who knows when okay yeah but we give them out for free (laughs) well you know so long as you say you didn't know about it i mean then you can't be can't be blamed Yeah, until they realize we're doing it very intentionally listen i bought the guy a welder i didn't buy him a mask i suppose the accessories sold separately so we just give away free things that need other things to be I safe. handed him the gun. I did not buy the bullets. <laughs> Therefore, if he murders someone with it, that's on him. I feel like there are laws in place for that no, one. No, definitely not. Definitely yeah. not that. Definitely not. Arc, wel- arc welders are a little bit more difficult to kill someone with. Unless you drop it on someone, I guess. Well, yeah. You're right. My other item that I had for like a, a four or five guy, someone that you barely know, and it's not just a terrible Christmas greeting card, is a mini iron. You huh. like where you iron clothes? They make mini ones for people that do like sewing and crafts. They're about four or five inches tall. And they're cute, I'll, I'll admit, but completely useless if you're not doing crafts. So let's say you've got a buddy that's a welder for a living. <laughs> just get him a little mini iron. They're cheap, like 20 bucks. 
Yeah. He's never going to use it. Unless he finds a way to use it daily. And then you feel bad. Because <laughs> then the joke just doesn't work. Okay, or might I be inspiring to some unsuspecting guy? I suppose. Yeah, yeah you could... The Christmas gift of a lifetime and you didn't know. I could spin that around and make it work for me. Be like, hey, you know what? Remember that gift I got you last year that you use every single day? Just remember that. Next time I need you. Fair enough. Fair enough. I feel like a guy can make that work for him. That's true. So just get really niche things and hope one of them yes, sticks? Yes, that's, that is my game plan. Yeah. Speaking of Christmas, did you get anything good for Christmas this year? Get exactly uh, what you wanted? Yes. In that you got nothing? No, I got some things. Oh. Okay. My mother is a very interesting gift giver. She always um, has the best heart in mind, mm. but ends up getting things pe for people that they don't need. <laughs> so sitting behind you, she got me a wonderful, it's like directly behind you. It's the thing in the sheath. A beautiful oh, yeah. hunting knife that is extraordinarily like america it's very, very american red white and blue if you open it there's like an eagle <laughs> folks, <laughs> folks i want to tell you that the handle of this knife has all 50 stars on it yep, and, it, and as i unsheath it oh wow <laughs> it's very american wow that is an eagle oh shit. exactly wow this is a nice knife it's a very nice knife it's beautifully sharp it's very america it is very, very sharp. Wow. And it's it would be a great gift if I didn't already have and use, like, my set hunting knives that I've used for years. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> which she knows I've used for years. Um, but it was the thought that counts. Like, she's like, yeah, this, this, he would really like this. And my little brother gets her the same things where he'll just walk through a mall in the middle of March and be like, oh, that'd be great for this person. They love this. And then come Christmas time, it's those gifts that you know he genuinely thought you would like. Right. But missed the mark entirely. <laughs> it, it's really niche things that he thinks are really cool and awesome. Like a card shuffler, but for someone who is dyslexic or something. Oh, gosh. Things like that, where he's like, this could really help them with their problem. But not realize that because of their problem, it won't actually help them. Like, that's not, yeah, it doesn't okay, work. Okay. Where you could see he's genuinely trying to help the person and thought it was a really creative gift. That they can't use. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So everyone in my family always looks forward to his gifts because all, most people you can gauge pretty much what they might get. He is a wild card. You have no idea what he shows up to the table. It's like, it's like a white elephant, except it's your own family. Exactly. Fantastic. That is cool. I did not get an American hunting sh hunting knife. <laughs> Um, although I would be afraid to use something like that for fear that it might, you know, summon some sort of weird spirit or something. It's very American. It's very American. <laughs> but I, speaking of white elephants, I was out at, uh, a family Christmas gathering last night and they do a white elephant. This is on my better half's family. 
And uh, it's hilarious because the things that you get are all things that you don't need, but yet need desperately. You know what I'm talking about? These are these are twenty dollar or less items, folks. Bars of ivory soap. No, better, better. There was, you know, um, a whole newspaper was used to wrap eleven dollars, or there was a roll of toilet paper. There was a box with hot chocolate in it. Hmm. There was um, different Christmas themed hot sauces. There was a cherry pitter. There was an original piece of art that was donated by some guy whose wife has no idea about art. <laughs> no, yeah, that no, was Picasso or something. I've never heard of him. Here it was, you go. It was a glasswork. No offense to the Bumgart family. But uh, it was basically a, a glass plate. And on the plate, affixed in the middle, was a blue glass wine wine glass. Made of glass, but it was blue, like dark blue, like something you would find at Goodwill or like left long ago. Mm-hmm. And on top of that was another smaller plate that had another plate stacked on top of it with a third plate stacked on top of that. And you might be thinking this is becoming a very tall structure and you'd be right because stacked on top of this, these other three plates is a small glass tree. That you know, like one of them that's hollowed out though, so you could put stuff in it. Yep. And inside of it are some random ass Christmas ornaments. <laughs> <laughs> so that was passed out. That's a spiteful gift. <laughs> that's on the level of giant teddy bear, because there is nothing you can do with that. There's box, not a thing. Not but a thing. Takes it a step further, you have to be careful. You can't shove it forcefully in a closet because it's glass. Yeah. And glass shards everywhere. Yes, yes. The whole thing is very fragile. Who ended up with that? Poor soul. Some poor soul. That's what it was. (laughs) Yeah, I think some some gal unwrapped it because she thought this will be something cool. Realized the monstrosity she had opened. (laughs) And then I think one of the moms that was there was like, oh my gosh, this thing is neat. I could have this. And And then stole it. Yes, you could have this. And then stole it. Because there's a stealing thing in this white elephant where you could steal items. Her husband is going to be pissed. Well, maybe. Because it's going to be the first day or two. Oh, look how neat it is on the island. I could put little things on every tray. And then the second day goes by. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the realization hits her. Like, oh, no. Oh, what have I done? When she wakes up not hammered next I can't get rid of this. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Oh, ooh. (laughs) This can't be recycled. This seasonal monstrosity. (laughs) That can only come out during Christmas, and I have nowhere to put it. Yeah, it's bad. Although, I mean, I suppose you could redecorate parts of it, right? You could put some leaves on it for, for autumn or... Yeah, I think the, the tree at top kind of ruins it, a lot of it seasons. Make, it makes it very hard when you have the a... Easter pine tree. A glass tree, yeah. That is an unfortunate mishap there. Oof. Unless they dress the tree up in different holiday stuff. Like, put a turkey over top the tree. <laughs> and they start putting, like... Oh, like, if you get, like, a, a golf head cut, like, a, um... Oh, not a... Like, for your clubs, you know how you get, like, a driver cover? Socks? Yeah, kind of like that, but they we were, make... we were always bougie. We had socks. Oh, okay, they make actual ones. Yeah, I know, little, with the fuzzy... You could put something nice on there. The labels for what driver it is. Yeah, or, or an, yeah, they make animal ones or something. You could have, like, a little huh. chipmunk or... 
That's the only way I could imagine fixing that shit show that that poor woman ended up with. I'll tell you what, though. I fared a whole lot better because I ended up with a 30-pack of hot chocolate Huh. that came with the matching 30-pack of Lucky Charms marshmallows. Ah, uh, just marshmallows? Yes, yeah, the marshmallow pack. They make just marshmallows yes. Lucky Charms? Yeah. That sounds awful unless it's directly forged hot chocolate. That's what I'm talking about. So they're like okay. the little mini marshmallows. So you have the thing, the hot chocolate, the pack of hot chocolate, and an adjoining pack of mini marshmallows to go on top of it. Huh. I thought I was a king. Yeah, that that's a pretty good score. You didn't get a glass monstrosity. <laughs> no, I did not. And there was, you know, no feminine hygiene products or no random hot sauces or, you know, dildos or anything like that. So I feel like I crushed it. Yeah, that family with dildos for a white elephant. Could you a picture if that, because there's kids there. That is a genius gift one year. As long as you can wrap it in a wrapping paper nobody else has. Mm. So it's new. And don't label it. Sneak it in when nobody's looking at one time. So it just shows up. And nobody knows where it came from. Nobody knows it too. It's just there. I have one better. Better than the dildo. Because I feel like, you know, when you when you unwrap a phallic object, you're going to be like, ugh, ugh, ugh. Yeah, yeah. What if you get those like vibrating panties? <laughs> like <laughs> a box of vibrating panties. Yeah, something that's almost useful for a female, like like a pair of underwear, or male, but, we judge. or male, but just not useful. You know, something that's almost useful. But so you have just to find not. one of them with like whatever vibrates attached to it, like you can't take out. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. This is one of those that you can't slide the thing out. Like you're stuck with this. <laughs> Although I would pose that it would be funny if you were down to your last pair of underwear because you didn't do laundry. And you have to, you have to, you know, swallow your pride and put on, you know, try to take the vibrating thing out and put those pair of panties on. Yeah. Oh, God. On the one day that it's dress only day. Oh, man. You accidentally spill the receiver out of your purse oh, the next no. thing you know. Oh, no. Man, that would suck hard. Why would you take the receiver with you? I don't know, because you don't want the, the dog to play with it. If you have a dog, I don't know. Throw it out. Not a bad move. <laughs> <laughs> I, did not, I did not think about that. Wow. That's a good Apparently, move. Apparently, if you get gag gifts from Billy, he's just not intelligent <laughs> enough to know how, they, how to avoid the problematic situation. That's, that's, a, that's a good point. I, actually, I prefer that move. <laughs> I think that's a much smarter way of going about things. Yeah, six months ago, it ended in the... City dump with no batteries in it. It's not like it's ever going to go off. You're right. It's taking the ammo away from the gun. I appreciate that. Then it's just the personal embarrassment of having to wear vibrating panties. Yeah. That's a whole lot better than the outward embarrassment, if you ask me. Yeah. Could you picture you're sitting in the boardroom, you're giving a big pitch, and all of a sudden, you know. <laughs> And the, and the guy next to you checks his phone because he thinks his wife is calling <laughs> and then realizes it's coming from you. Oh, God. That would be such an embarrassment. Uh, I got to for... take this phone call. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah? Are they that loud? I have no idea. I don't think I've ever heard. Well, I've never heard a woman vibrating in public, so. True. What is the likelihood a woman has vibrated in public? We just don't know. See, are, I have no idea. Are they just quiet enough? Are were these popular? They're good. Yeah, I. Should we start polling women? <laughs> Let's start going downtown, ma'am. Do you have a moment? 
surveying people, do you have vibrating panties on by chance? And where's the receiver at this moment? There's no way they would answer, honestly, one way or another, though. You're it right. It would be a polluted poll. Yeah. We'd need to somehow find, like, a universal remote. <laughs> 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 and just walk down, oh, no. walk down the app. <laughs> With that big full blast <laughs> the on first... like a quiet evening so we can hear <laughs> as we're walking by and just head at like waist height. <laughs> so you're so you're crawling down the <laughs> with a universal remote. Exactly. Listen, looking for the first girl to flinch. <laughs> oh exactly. no, we've gone off the rails now, folks. That's true. Although if they're the ones wearing vibrating panties, would they flinch? I feel like by the time it's you're wearing an article of clothing that vibrates. You're probably accustomed to it to a degree that probably wouldn't be like a can't manage type deal. I don't know. I feel like we've talked several times on this show about people's sexuality and how it's really gotten out of hand in society. I feel like there's some boyfriend out there that was really hard <laughs> in the paint on this idea, right? And his and it one day finally after you know pestering her for months on end gets her to do this and they're out in public and he thinks it's the coolest thing ever and she's just very dismayed the whole time i feel like that has to have happened in this society until we walk by and they're both dismayed <laughs> yeah yeah until all of a sudden, yo, all of a sudden he's like there's that moment of panic where he realizes he has no control he turned yeah. it off little does he know that yeah she's getting mad at him and there's ian on his knees <laughs> Walking by, which at this time they're both upset. One's confused, one's upset. They can't see me walking. No, crawling by. You're right. <laughs> if you just have like a hoverboard and you're just hunched down real low, just going by, yeah. no one will know because an argument will have brewed. And then, aha, we notice, notice the argument because this is what we're looking for. Tally one. We ditch the hoverboard in a back alley. Those are dime a dozen, and we walk about eight feet behind them. Just. Just looking at the shops and just aloof, completely undeserved. Just walk behind and see how long it takes for an all-out fist fight between this couple to take place. Listen, I, if, if I were the woman in that case and my boyfriend had pestered me for months on end, because, okay, unless you're into that type of thing, in which case that's your own deal. But it pestered me for months on end, and I finally oblige him because I'm so sick of hearing it. <laughs> and we go out in public, and this doofus somehow finds a way for this thing to be full blast and can't stop it. <laughs> it would take only moments before I am at level like level 10 lockdown, like as mad as I can be. I would be so upset. I would write into that dummy that we always you know, read the newspaper articles. I shouldn't call her a dummy. She's a, she's a therapist. And I would listen. You know, I would ask her for support. And she would obviously blame me because that's all that woman does is blame the person that writes in. That's true. I just had a completely in real life meta thought process. Okay. No one else is here. I'm, uh, my significant other doesn't happen to be around. And out of habit, I lock the door. <laughs> On my way down, is that going to pose a problem for anyone who oh, might be showing yeah. up? Oh, yeah. The after party. <laughs> oh, man. You know, in the ad break, you might have to go get that sorted out. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> I didn't even... I, you're right. That is a complete meta thought. So for those that don't know, after the show, there's a, a gentleman's chat after party that we have. 
And normally it's our significant others and, and close friends that come by and we chat about some things we talk about here and we just have fun conversations. None of you are invited that are listening um, <laughs> unless you are either our significant others or our friends. A platinum subscription. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless you are paying, you know, the uh, Patreon that we don't have or sending your donations to a gentleman's chat at gmail.com. You can't send a donation through an email. I know. You can't, <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't attend this party, but uh, it is a thing that we do, and Ian has locked all of our guests out. And that's, that's an unfortunate truth of the matter. It almost never happens because my significant other is, like, around and it's true. able to get the door. It's true. Also, I very, very rarely lock the door. Yeah, in the part of town that we're in, you normally don't have That's to. That's true. I you know, before I, switching topics completely because I was I was sort of dialing this one up in my head. The I was talking about this this white elephant thing, and I never really closed on it. In that it was uh, you know a good time was had by all, but the after of this party was the most annoying stuff of my life. So we decided to leave, and we took two cars to get to this thing because there were so many people that were carpooling to where we had to go with my significant other, her whole family, me, like the whole nine yards, right? So my significant other, her brother, and I get in the car, and we leave first down the down this down the way. And I should tell you that the where we were was out in the country, so you know all cornfields as far as the eye can see. No one lives there, and we're driving. And it's 9 o'clock at night. And for those that don't live in the country, this is about the time that animals are out. Particularly in our area, deer. And I'm driving down the road. It's only 45, so I'm not going all that quickly. And I see a deer on the right-hand side of the road. And I think, okay, I've made eye contact with him. I see him. He's not going anywhere. I'm slowing down anyways out of precaution. About 20 feet away from this deer, it decides, you know what? That's a nice car. And it jumped out in front of me. It leapt. And I was like, oh, God. So I swerved around him, and he kept coming at me. He was like, I need you, I need you, I need you. And um, long story short, it was either hit the deer or go in the ditch. So I ran this deer, and I, I you know, the whole collision happens, and I get back on my side of the lane, and I pull over and stop. And he, I, when I get out of the car, I can see, you know, 100 feet behind me of just coolant and antifreeze and car just rubble on the road and so it's clear at that point that i've done some significant damage to my car and no one is injured but three very strange things happen after the fact that i've totaled my vehicle the car behind me housing the other half of our party shows up the a couple from down the street get in their car and drive up because they are building their own house and they were outside working on their house and heard the collision and thought at nine at night? At nine at night. They were just wrapping up. They were literally oh, on their okay. way to leave, getting in their cars, heard the collision, drove down to see what happened, make sure everyone was okay. And the deer is lying in the middle of oncoming traffic, kicking it, and it had, you know, it was doing the death dance at that point. This thing was gone. No way it comes back from it. And out of nowhere, so I'm standing there looking under the hood, is, you know, am I, have I broken a tire out? Have I shoved anything in? Obviously, the radiator's leaking, but where from? What else is broken? Is the battery okay? Are we about to cause a fire? Like, I'm checking all the things. What's the damage? This guy from the ether, I swear to God, I have no idea where this dude came from. This guy walked up and said, hey, you need the deer? I said, what? He said, yeah, you need the deer? No, you can have him. So this guy, comes. Who I, the dude didn't drive, had to just be some dude that lived nearby, came out, got the deer, left. Dude, I am... 
amazed you guys didn't even ask for like 20 bucks you know what was more amazing whole, than that was it a full-grown deer oh well no okay no it was probably a yearling okay a little well two years maybe you could have got something for it though. i could have yeah. i could have this was mr johnny on the spot and you know what the funniest part of the whole thing was i said i have no idea who that guy was because i had to call up the sheriff's office say i had a deer yeah they said hey, is the deer dead I said, yes is it still there in the road no some guy took it they said, some guy. <laughs> I said, yeah, some guy took it. And in unison, everybody in the circle named this guy. You know, like Bill somebody somebody. <laughs> everybody, like Bill, Bill Bill Bowman or you know, Bill Belichick or so, yeah, it's some like guy. Classic Bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They said, yeah, Bill. And I was like, uh, operator, Bill Bowman came and took the deer. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. And so it was the darndest thing. And then he disappeared. I, five minutes flat, dude was there and gone. Did he pick it up like himself and just walk off with it? Yes. Yes, dude just walked away with this dead deer. Huh. Dying deer. Wasn't even dead yet. Huh. It was wild. That is the biggest kill steal I think I've ever heard. No kidding. Especially if he didn't drive up or anything. You he just happened to show up. You think what are the odds? Folks have heard of a cock block. Folks, this is a <laughs> deer stealing. Dude up and took it. Did the cops care? No. No, no. They I said, figured not. They said they'd send someone out. So I was standing around talking to these people that were building their house. So I was getting their life story. And uh, the cop showed up, flipped on his lights for no particular reason. I thought that was the most annoying thing ever. And he walked up. He said, yep, need your registration. Need your license. Is the deer still here? Obviously not. <laughs> Is the deer still here? And he said, you know, do you need the car towed? And I said, no, no. I, I, my plan was to drive the thing home. It didn't look that bad. And obviously I couldn't do that. Yeah. So they, the folks that we had met, so you could pull it into our driveway. We're not going to be here. You know, we don't live here. We're just building the house. What are all these so, good Samaritans people popping out of nowhere about. in the middle of nowhere? So these people, they said, yeah, listen, you're welcome to pull it there, pull it off the left-hand side. It's not in our way, whatever. So come back, get it the next day, whatever. Cop hands my information back. My registration card was out of date, by the way, by a whole year, but he didn't seem to care about that. And uh, not my registration, my insurance card. Sorry. Gotcha. And uh, he left. I got back in the car, in a different car, vehicle two, and went home. Hmm. So I drove the thing the 200 feet to put it where it needed to be. Uh, I went out today, got it from where it was. They they were out there building their house. Cute people, very cute couple. And dropped it off at a collision center. The gal that was in in front of me, filling out her paperwork for like a an out lamp or something was told February the 6th before her car would be done. That's how far behind backlog they were on cars. And I thought, no <laughs> way, dude. No way. Yikes. Am I going to wait two months for them to tell me this car is either A, totaled, or B, it's going to cost ten grand to repair it? No Yikes. way, dude. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of that's, rough. That's, that's where I'm stuck. That's where I am. The only reason I'm telling the story is because I'm upset. Yeah, I'd be upset too. I cannot believe it. There was no way out. You still don't know? No. I dropped. I, I, here's my hope. My genuine hope is they total the thing next week. Write me a big ass check because I have premium insurance yeah. on it. And I go buy a brand new one. That'd work. I've only had that car 10 months. Oh. Because the last one got totaled. I didn't even total it. My mother totaled my last car. My mother drove my car for one night and totaled it. Yeah, I would never let my mother drive anything I own. 
It could be a Razor scooter, and I do not want my mother driving. Dude, she drove that car for one uh, night in total of it. So that's, I have, that's fun. I've been through two cars this year. Yeah. I went 20 years. But you know what I blame it on? Here it is. Here's a hot take before we go to the ad read. I lived a whole life before my better half. I never scratched a car. I never even so much as clipped a curb. I meet my better half. I've gone through two cars since. Ooh. In fact, two cars this year. That sounds like a bad omen. Right? <laughs> so I had this realization earlier, and someone that I was with said, so what are you going to do about that? Like I was going to leave her. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm going to pay my insurance premium on time. That shit's useful to me now. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's my fun adventure from, from this Christmas season. That sounds not fun at all. Absolutely crashing my car into a deer that I didn't even get to keep. Oh, you have to try harder next time. I could add your knife. I'm not sure how that would have helped unless you wanted to skin it right there. I could have gutted it just then and there, yeah. I suppose the cop might have had some questions then. I'd have gotten to it before he was there. Guy took like 15 minutes. Oh, okay. Could have had the whole thing dressed up. <laughs> Back straps on the hood, baby. <gasps> yeah. Is is this the deer you hit? No, that was uh, the deer I hit ran off. No, Bill Bowman brought it to me. <laughs> He said, here, I got a nice deer all, he was all just, carved up for you. He was just strolling by, as he does, apparently. Yeah. Wow. I, I love that he has, like, such a reputation that everybody was just like, yeah. And they thought nothing of it. Nothing. Yeah, he's just the deer guy. That's what that's what he does. Yeah. I stood, I came in. Everybody in unison. In unison. When the operator asked me who took the deer. Bill Bowman or whatever his name was. I'm just you know going to go. what it is? He probably raises deer and he's trained them. He's like, you know what? I don't like the cut of your jib. And he's like, you know? Road. Come on, Francis. Road. Yeah. Road. Yeah. Get out there. See that one? Chase it down. This is what you have been raised for. <laughs> you were born for this. Jumps on out and then he's like, job well done. And he goes and takes the evidence back. Yeah. Or... What it probably is, is the same old guys live there his entire life and has seen you know ten or twelve people get creamed by a deer. I suppose has just decided you know what I'll take that. Yeah, a couple months food. Yeah, yeah. Veal I'm told is expensive. He's probably out there Very selling much it. Much so. You know it's, it comes pre-tenderized. So Bill's out there selling that shit. He's making a profit off me. Oh, bastard! Genius. Bastard Bill. Whatever his last name is, I'm gonna go with Bowman. Hopefully Bowman. that's it. Yeah. That sounds like a deer killer. Kind of does, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know. Journeyman, a bowman. A bowman. Bill Bowman. If you're out there listening to this, Bill Bowman, I can't believe you. <laughs> you derailed so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. You should go check on the door because it's time for this ad read. Freaking Bill. Freaking Bill. I can't believe that, dude. <laughs> you know what? So Christmas is like the big season, right? Where everyone maxes out their credit cards and they do the whole nine yards. And then, and then Valentine's day, well, new year's, right? Everyone has a new year's, which is another time that you just get friends together. Yeah, But alcohol lasts forever. So it's true. It lasts quite a lot, quite a lot longer than, than, um, your flowers you get someone. Right, right. Um, and then it's Valentine's day, which is, you know, noted the worst holiday ever. We've talked about that several times on this show. Biggest waste of a yeah. holiday ever. I think for us. 
oh, I'm not sure if I can say my least favorite holiday, but it's definitely Kwanzaa. And it's just because of the person who invented Kwanzaa. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a... He's an awful person. Why? Okay, so talk me through this. Why do you hate Kwanzaa? <laughs> uh, so, the founder and creator of Kwanzaa, I don't know the exact date. It was, like, in the early 1960s, uh, was put into prison for kidnapping, imprisoning, and torturing two women. Oh, gosh. And these are the two we know about. And it was bad stuff. It was like he took electrical cords and was beating them with what? it. Or they... Or, for whatever reason, I he would waterlog them, like, force them to consume copious amounts of water, basically waterboard them, and then force the other girl to jump on the, their stomach and take turns doing that. Just horrible things like that. And they showed up with all the evidence of, like, different burn markings and different signs of torture. He only spent ten years in prison. And that's one of the biggest reasons I don't like Kwanzaa. Wow. I could see why, though. <laughs> You know what? Now that you've said all that, I don't like Kwanzaa either. Kwanzaa's kind of a kind of a no-no sort yeah, of holiday. It has nothing to do with anyone who celebrates it. It's just the founder is just the worst. Yeah, that's not okay. Yeah, that is that's most <laughs> most odd. Only ten years. Yeah, I I would assume the sentence is longer, and he got out early on parole because we let anybody out early on parole, which is baffling to me. <laughs> Right, right. You know, a hundred year sentence, but after four years of being good, you know, locked up where you can't do anything. Yeah, right. you you're, you've been doing. You've a good shown job. you're a good person. He's been in a cell for the past ten years. He hasn't done anything. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that probably my least favorite holiday by far. I could see why. I don't necessarily. I mean, I like New Year's. New Year's is a good one because you get together with friends. Yeah, but New Year's is like one of those holidays that's not really a holiday in my eyes. Though. Right, it's a celebration. It's more of a party. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a celebration. Um, then we got Valentine's Day, and the other big one is Easter, and that is a good one. I, I love Easter. I love me a good Easter, absolutely. Especially because for it's always fun for kids. You know, they get the Easter bunny and they get the whole the whole thing. I love Easter. Yeah, spring's coming because we came up with the Easter bunny for Easter. Well, Santa Claus makes some sense for the Christmas spirit. Yes. With the birth of the greatest gift ever. And we, in turn, exchange gifts. And and there was drums. a guy named St. Nick. You know, yeah. he did lots of things. Where the hell did the Easter Bunny come from? You know what I think it was? I think it was a whole lot of moms that, you know, were trying to hype up Easter to their kids. Because, <laughs> like, you know, Jesus was born and you get lots of gifts. Yep. And then, you know, Jesus is, comes back from the dead all by his lonesome. And they're like, yeah, mom, that's kind of lame because I don't get any gifts. <laughs> so they're like, hey, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, what can we get? So he's... A bunny was outside Jesus' tomb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And was imbued with magic and has candy eggs he gives to people. <laughs> yes. You can run around the yard and find dollars, tens of cents worth you of change. Do yard ones? I was what, gonna say we always do inside ones because we live in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, so I lived in a, a very small house growing up, and it was one of those where you know mom would try to hide the Easter basket, yep. but there was like three rooms in the house, so it's yeah. like very easy. She would sometimes do some uh, outside on the porch, okay, on the railing, you know, some easy things. I do remember that, especially in our community, because it's a very Christian community that we live in. Some of the parks host events, yep, and I remember going to some like. 
you know, Easter races, which for those that don't know what this is, it's basically where the local municipality gets this event together and all kids are welcome. And what they do is they take over a park and they put eggs all over the park in the trees, on the walkways. Some of them are actually quite high up. You have to climb to get them and they hide them all over the park and they line kids up like it's a, like it's a, a race. And at nine o'clock in the morning, you know, they, they blow the whistle and you go and you get 10 minutes to grab as many eggs as you want. And it's this really, really cool family picnic thing that, that places do and, and ours do. And I did that one time and that was super duper cool. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, usually we do eggs inside when I was younger. I do know if you have, obviously if you live more in the country and you've got more land, like my better half's family, they do outside ones because you know, like the cousins will come over and hide eggs for you outside. Yep. And while they're doing that, you hide eggs for them outside so that, you know, everyone gets to find eggs outside and it's an actual egg hunt as opposed to like, you know, mom woke up 45 minutes sooner than you did and, and placed <laughs> Threw eggs, eggs everywhere. Right. Right. So <clears throat> I've had, I've had both settings, I've okay. had both settings. I have done some outdoor ones, but like I said, Wisconsin, that tends to be shied upon. Usually not a good idea. Correct. Bigger note, though, I kind of miss a lot of the community holidays or community gatherings, such as the Easter egg um, hunts or even just neighborhood picnics or a lot. Of, we used to do a lot of like policemen, firemen, different yes. days and the yes. community would get together and hang out, have games and different booths and whatnot i feel like we don't really do that a lot anymore no and i'm blaming most of it on the municipalities i hate some of those people yeah some of those people down at the city center so yeah okay before i derail this conversation (laughs) that's what i those people just don't want to plan them anymore you know they don't want to take the effort they they always talk about like if you read the cop cars around here it's you know building community yada 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 yeah but yeah, I don't know that cop's name. He's never been around. He's never, never come to a school, never did a talk. They they don't do any of that. And people like to blame the pandemic that's happened the past two years because yada, yada, oh, yada. It was before that. Yeah, it, it was, was so before that. It was complete garbage. And here's what I think it is. I think it's the separation of church and state thing that people have going on. Where if, you know, the city puts out a thing that any anything faith-based, you know, it's a complete, it's, you can't do that. True. I could see that for the big ones. Like they can't, they'd have, they couldn't do like a Christmas party or an Easter party. I don't really understand why we, well, I have some thoughts, but I don't really understand why everybody was so keen on throwing out everything altogether. Even more locally, just neighborhood picnics. When's the last time you had like a neighborhood barbecue or picnic? You're not wrong. Relative to any movie you have ever seen of prior to like 2010 it happens all the time it used to bring communities together and i feel like give people a better sense of community and more morale and there was a lot less discourse especially among individual communities because if your town or city has a whole bunch of gatherings or um parties parades picnics whatever it brings the community together and you're more personalized you know people you interacted with them so you're a lot less likely to be divisive be upset with people yeah things like that yeah you're more connected to people you're completely right i can remember i mean even gosh around here you know 
five years ago and and before that block parties were definitely a thing you know yeah. like hey let's shut down the block for a week and everyone in the neighborhood let's come on out you know maybe if some guy has a garage band they play for a little while and yeah. everyone grills out and has a good time yeah, I very vividly remember that. I'm on this, and I want your opinions as to why, but I'm on this church and state thing only because at the church that I work for, the, I'm the director of choirs there. We put together this um, musical offering that wasn't even based really in in religion so much as that it was a, a, a community gathering thing. It was meant to be sent out to like assisted living facilities and shut-ins, people that can't go out during the holiday season as like a Christmas greeting to them. Like enjoy some music, right? And I called up the municipality in the local town and I said, hey, can we I help? How can I get this out to people in the community so we can have this as a community building event? And they said, well, let's put it on the local news station. I said, that's a great idea. You know, the local you know, cable access channel. I thought that was great. And they come back to me a few days later and said, actually, we can't air this music because the music is sacred. So in the separation of church and state means that we can't put any sacred music on our on our broadcast. We can't broadcast any of that. And I went back to him and I said, okay, listen, like if you think it's like a church service where there's a message or something like, okay, I get that if you don't want that because you don't want to be divisive to other people maybe. And I said, no, it's like, you know, people, the church choir singing the first Noel. I hear it on the radio all the time. Every other church hymn yeah. or church carol. That's just, that's all it was. And they said, no, can't do that. Separation of church and state. And that has irked me ever since. You have every right to be irked. Because that is one of the most common but most infuriating just blatant disregards for what the separation of church and state uh, principle and act actually stands for and what it is in place for the separation of church and state a lot of people will be like well you you can't put a church choir on a local uh, broadcast channel it's like why not well because it's local it's public domain so it's state so you can't have anything there it's like no the separation of church and state said we shouldn't teach against or for any sort of religious sect or thought process that way everybody has religious freedom right it it is was never designed entailed or even to this day has any power over whether or not one party or faction or whatnot can give their own beliefs anywhere including say in government it is strictly saying you cannot discriminate one way or another against any of them right right that blows my mind dude I don't get it. And I, and I would stuff like that to me is the, the impetus to this lack of connection to community that, that whole, like the thought behind that or their implement implementation of that idea of like immediately, Oh, someone did something cool. Oh, let's not, let's not show it. Yeah. Like the separation that they're creating with themselves. I actually think as a religious person myself, and this I would speak for anyone with any type of religion, the way that they are misusing the separation of church and state is actually against the separation of church and state in principle. Because what do all public domains and spaces in government do right now? Well, if it's something vaguely religious of any kind, 
they will say, no, we can't have that separation of church and state. So what are they doing? They're ex expressly excluding any thoughts, ideas, art of any kind if it has any religious backing. So what does that mean? Well, what they're doing is they're actually discriminating religion itself and propping up strict atheism and only strict atheism. Right. It doesn't matter what your religious beliefs are. The only one the government will adhere to is atheism. Yeah, that makes no sense to me. <laughs> like, if they're holding up secularism, like, it's the only thing that ever happened. Exactly. Which is ridiculous. I, and even if they genuinely believe anyone, because you can have your own thoughts and beliefs, if you believe secularism is the only way, you should still understand the act of separation of church and state is expressly designed so nobody gets discriminated against. Yep. Yep. If we put it this way, secularism can be seen as its own religion because a religion is a mass of people that are uh, following the principles of a core belief system. Secularism, secular, I can't speak all of a sudden. <laughs> Secularism? Thank you. Can be defined as a religion. And thus, if the government is only allowing secularism, then their every other religion is now being discriminated against. They're breaking their own separation of church and state. See, it seems pretty cut and dry <laughs> to me. I didn't understand why, you know, and I didn't mean to derail the conversation, which I did because I was fired up about it's this okay. one. I'm so fired up about it, dude, because these people... Yeah, that gets me upset, too. These people put in so much hard work. You know, they showed up on days they didn't have to. They learned music they didn't have to. And all they wanted to do was just say to other people, we care about you. They wanted to bring the community together, not in a way that was within the church, because this was expressly a non-church thing. Yep. And they couldn't do that because someone in a town of 2,000 people or however many people are in New London, Wisconsin, can't, you know, they couldn't make that happen. Yeah. It, it's a sham. Completely it is. and utterly. It is. Even if it was a direct church service, that should be allowed. Because you're not, you're not discriminating. You're not saying, well, we can't have synagogue. We can't have um, mosque. Uh, we can't have any other religion. Also on the local broadcast, you're just having your own, which is completely within your purview. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Right. Because, in, okay, th to me, I took the argument at a, at a broader level, which is that who's watching that cable channel? Local people that can't go out. Yeah. Because if they could go out... They would be at the event you're broadcasting. Mm -hmm. So it stands to reason to me on a logical level of what you like, what your programming should be, should be the things that people are going to want to see in that community. Yeah. A large faction of what people, you know, want to be seeing, but can't are church services. Because if you're little miss grandma and it's snowed a foot and you can't go outside and you don't know how to work the church's YouTube live streaming service, yep. you know, you should be able to say, okay, if, you know, from 8 to 8.30 is this church, from 8.30 to 9 is this church. Like, your programming can totally reflect yeah. different church services at different times. In fact, you could probably get all of them be if your community is small enough. Oh, yeah. And then you have the freedom to go there or not to, which is a big problem with the separation. It's not like you're f forcing people to watch this channel. That's not how that works. Originally, schools are often brought up with separation of church and state because 
going to school is a legal requirement for U.S. citizens. Right. You have to go there. And so then if you preach or teach a very specific and only one religious doctrine, well, of course, then the government's telling you what you should do. For a TV channel of any kind, as long as it's not obscene by the community's standards, because the community can always say no. Right, right. But you should be able to put whatever you want on there. Because no one's forcing you to watch it. You know what happens if it's something I don't agree with or I don't like? I change the channel. Or I just turn yes. the TV off. Yes. And it's over. It's that simple. <laughs> it's not hard. The government's not forcing me to do anything. It just happens to be there. <laughs> it's just its ridiculous. So I'm working on getting that one f changed. Because I felt so passionately about this idea. And it's such a local government. I don't even live in the city. Now I live nowhere near that city. But I want so desperately to get that one looked at because yeah. I think that's a pretty flagrant, you know, misuse of power there. I'm curious to know what your other thoughts are on, about the lack of community and how that's, set, you know, dissolving or has dissolved over the past few years. What the causes of those are. I'm really curious about that. The causes of the community dissolve comes in our age old topic of social media, of course. Because everybody feels connected to everybody else, so there's no reason to get real connection. Right. Even though they don't realize that that's not real connection. Two, people, as we've gotten more prosperous as a country and technology has improved, I feel we've gotten a lot more selfish. Because mm. society at large, we don't have that many problems here in America anymore. Especially relative to any other country at any other point in history. Right, we're prior. not like France where we're on strike every week. Exactly. So if you don't have a whole bunch of internal problems, you don't really need or you don't feel the need of a backbone of the community around you. Whereas if mm. there was a whole bunch of hard times in the past, well, it takes a community to get, to get through that because individually it might be way more difficult. But if all your neighbors get together and you're all working as one, you know, sticks in a bundle, you're much better off. Whereas nowadays... You don't need anyone in America to be completely fine and live dandily. So a selfish nature, why would you put yourself out or invest your time into others when you could just do it for yourself and there's no ill requirement of it? That's a really poignant thought. I actually re I, I really agree with that. You're right. That, that covers a lot of the angles that dig deeper than a very than, than the surface level of you know, because COVID or because yeah. <laughs> people don't, you know, people are too busy or, you know, whatever excuses we tell ourselves. Yeah. I think that digs really deep at, at the underlying societal cause. Cause you're right. It's definitely not like a localized thing. Everybody everywhere is sort of doing that. I find that very fascinating. Yeah. I first had that thought thinking in my own congregation of church where in America, at least, church goers of all kinds of all religions and creeds have been steadily declining by an alarming rate it's like some absurd like 10 percent over five years progressively which is a lot that's millions upon millions but then when i come to think of it well following any particular religion or faith is not easy mm. it's not it is a in sense, either a sense of selflessness because you're part of a community of your choice, but still a community at that point, and you're, you're giving up part of your own 
power and pride to something big, larger than yourself. Right. Whereas that goes hand in hand with the community. We've become so much better off in America uh, that people can afford to be selfish and they don't necessarily feel the strain of their selfishness like they once would have. You're right. You're right. And I, I think that, okay, so I, I'm relating this to like different movies. Like if you ever see a movie where some guy that died a hundred years ago comes back to life, mm-hmm. right? And he's a real stickler. He always holds the door or he always does this thing or, you know, he has to defend himself or has to go help the local shelter, like whatever yep. the thing is. Right. And they always juxtapose that as like, wow, how weird this guy is as compared to people nowadays. But if you look at that, really, that's the person that is coming back, right, in this scenario, is someone that has a much higher moral standard than the person nowadays. They are truly putting others before themselves. Yes, yes. And I think you're right. Part of it is that when you become so prosperous your own self, you don't need to... You don't feel the need to give to others because you're right. When you're filling your own cup, you don't need anyone else to fill it for you. The idea of it takes a village isn't true when you have, you know, when you're just doing it. Especially when we live in villages now that everyone can fill their own cup for the most part. So if you look around you and you see everyone's filling their own cup, well, then a lot of times in study will internalize, well, why should I care more about them? They're doing just fine themselves. Yes. They don't need me. Yes. And I here's the other thing I would pose to add to that is the social temperature and anxiety has increased so much. You're talking about people leaving the church at an alarming rate. I mean, look at society's anxiety. Very I mean, so. it's, it's ridiculous the things that you run into nowadays, the, the things that people say about the great, you know, greater societal things because – they're so, they're so both, you know, they're fulfilled, but they're stressed because they're alone, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that stress is weighing on people, but yet they're so prosperous. They've got no, no need to go elsewhere. Yep. So it's this sort of like cyclical thing that they're caught in. And then the feather that tipped the scale came probably about the 2010s with social media, because now there's the false outlet of being not alone because social media will never cure that loneliness. It never actually gives you a connection with others. It never gives you a sense of community, but it pretends to, it nods to that fact where it's tricking you into thinking you're doing that. So then the anxiety, the loneliness, all your problems, they never go away. And then it progressively gets deeper and deeper because you're like, well, I have this sense of community, this uh, social media, and I'm connected to everyone. So I shouldn't be alone, but I'm still feeling it. So then it compounds upon itself. Well, there must be something even more wrong because it's not fixing anything. Yes. That, that piece of the social anxiety puzzle is a large one because when you spend your whole life looking for affirmations from people you don't see every day, it's you know you lose sight of the affirmations of the people in front of you and those are the ones that matter yeah and i i would couple that with this social media influencer business where particularly young people right have this deep seated need to matter to a large group of people 
No longer is it, you know, can I do something cool for my family? Can I do something cool for my block? Can I do something cool for my neighborhood? Can I do something cool for my community? Can I do something cool for, you know, the state, whatever? As you keep climbing that ladder of influence, that sphere of influence. It is now, if I can't influence everybody all over the world, then I'm not worthy type of deal. Right, it's this like all or nothing, you know, uh, buster, break it or break or yeah. bust. However, how you say that? Yeah, it's a whole lot of that, and I don't, I don't understand that. And I, I know, I understand why people want to do it because it appears to be easy. You know, if I yeah. just wake up, I turn on a film camera for you know, thirty minutes, I make a a bang in ten minute video, rake in millions of dollars, sell some merch, I'm retired by twenty. Yep, I get that. However, you know, your sphere Everyone of Everyone is doomed to fail. Yes. And I don't think they realize that because even the biggest influencers say in the world, let's say they have a whopping 1 billion avid supporters and followers, which is more than anyone has at this point. By a large, I mean... That is still only a seventh of the entire world. And that's because humans, we're not supposed to be able to influence and be part of a community so vast. We're... Because you can't have a connection to an ocean. And when you're talking about a billion people, that's an ocean. If I were to stand a billion people up, there is no way you can have a true sense of community or connection to them. And yet they still want more. They want every single person in the world to follow them and, and admire them and get something out of them when that's, it's an impossible goal. Yes, but nobody sits people down and say, "Hey, this is an impossible goal. You will never be fulfilled if you try if you go down this route, because you can never get everyone's admiration." Right, and it's a selfish way of thinking. Very much so. You know, it's a very selfish way of going about your life, and this is this is a a stat that you're not going to see coming, <laughs> way left-handed stat. But I would bet if you map that thought on top of relationship failings, you would find an alarming correlative coefficient. I bet you would because you have a bunch of people that are trying to source intimacy from people. They never like you, you're trying to influence the whole world. And I guarantee when you map that on top of why relationships are, you know, go, you go through relationships like that or why the average relationship doesn't last as long. Why, Marriage is getting pushed longer. I think that whole societal push is going that direction. And I'm not saying that you know people should get married at 18 like they did 100 years ago. Um, but I'm also not saying that getting married at 35 is a good thing. True. You know, I think there's a you need to do what works best for you. But it, in terms of commenting on societal trends, it's a real one. Mm-hmm. It's a very real one. So I think you could map a whole lot of that together. Yeah, we Which, always come that full circle. We always try to. Society yeah. can really be boiled down to a couple core philosophies and issues. Yeah. That nobody ever really seems to address. It's true. And, you know, before long, we're going to have to find some other ones. Otherwise, people are going to get sick of listening to us. You know what I mean? We hit the same four or five. We can make some up. We could. Our own imaginary <laughs> issues with we society. We could. We could. And I, I don't think we'd have to stretch too hard to come up with a few, you know? To come up with some some brand new things that could be on the horizon of struggles for the uh, the American human or just the greater societal person. I was going to end, you know, we were talking about 
a little while ago when we started this whole conversation about community um, and how you have to go to school and it's a mandate. I was doing some some knowledgeing on the sex education in a, in America in particular because I always find that to be the greatest subsect to really boil society down into three different camps because how you view sex education in the K-12 public school system, you know, you, you could, these are very hard lines that people like to draw. And I was going to point out because, oh gosh, I don't know, 12 episodes or so ago, we were talking about sex in America and how young kids, this need for intimacy and how, you know, 90% of kids that had you know intimate relationships by the time they left school and how that affects them because later in life, you know, maybe you shouldn't have done that yeah. or maybe you know, even if you did and you didn't want to, how it affects you, like the whole thing, right? We had this whole conversation. If you want to listen to it, I highly recommend you do. I thought we had some good thoughts on that. Um, I learned that that stat has not backed down. The idea that, um, you know, it was next to like 88% of people report of, of high school age students report having sexual intercourse by the time they leave high school. That is a ridiculous stat. One, we don't have time to completely unpack, but also that, um, the average rate of pre marriage children being born is declining in this country. So I was, I was going to wrap in, wrapping a thought about, you know, you have to go to school. What are you learning in school type of thing? Cause that's, you know, I don't know, I'm a teacher, but yeah, I'll save that for next time. Sounds good. Well, thank you for tuning in everyone to another adventure into the minds of Billy and Ian here on a gentleman's chat.